So I mentioned this morning that we would be speaking about Eve in the Bible. I mentioned that we would be talking about, as you can see there in the title, the good of Eve. Now, I am 41 years old. Most of you are older than me. But I would imagine that all of us have probably heard Eve mentioned in sermons, most likely in connection with Adam. And almost every sermon I'm sure that you have heard that mentions Eve in some way will talk about temptation. We'll talk about convincing uh, or, or falling for uh, the, the falling for the temptation. And we'll talk about her uh, sharing with Adam and then being removed from the garden and all of that. But I want to do a series about women in the Bible. And I feel like that that's something that's more than capable of us being able to do. But I also feel like it's something that does not get carried out too much in the church. You know, I, and so what I wanted to look at was the good of Eve. Because in almost all of these stories, at least the ones that I've sort of scribbled down, I want to find something good. And so I thought, well, how do I think about the good of Eve? Because everything I've ever heard is almost always negative. And so where, where is something good? So I went about doing a little bit of reading, a little bit of researching, a little bit of studying. And I found this article that had been written by a guy. I don't know anything about the guy, but I just read the article. But it was sort of a completely different approach than what we usually think about. And so I've sort of modified some thoughts that he had and mixed some thoughts of mine in there as well. But I want us to think about the good of Eve. I want us to consider, a, as the title says there, a closer focus on the first woman we see in the Bible. If you've got your Bible with you, uh, turn to Genesis. You're probably not going to be too far into Genesis, chapters 1, 2, and 3. We'll skip over to Galatians a little bit toward the end. But for the most part, if you, if you happen to have lost the other 65 books of the Bible, but you still got the first one, you'll be in good shape uh, here this evening. But as we cover these, I want us to think about the good of Eve. I want us to think about how that too often with Eve, we solely focus on the death. And I want us to think about as well, what if we only focus on the negative of us? All right, and how we can't, we don't necessarily want that to define us. I venture to say that Eve is perhaps the most maligned character in human history. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, Judas would probably be there. Or you might pull it into sort of modern times with dictators or leaders or people that have lived, that, but you would be right. But I think Eve would be first. Because if we want to go all the way to the beginning, we're going to complain about the very first person, right? We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. And so when we think about a lot of things that are mentioned in the scriptures, we say, well, it all goes back to sin. Well, if we all go back to sin, sin happens on about the, what, the sixth page of your Bible? Is that where you are? Chapter three, I think, is where we start to see something bad uh, happen right there, right? We don't go too far in. If you're, if you're on page 10, it's already kind of blown up by this point, right? And so Eve is a much maligned character. Literally all the sin, all the pain, all the suffering, all the death in the world has been blamed on her. And for making one bad choice, the Bible says, 
She's become the symbol of, for many cases, weakness, ignorance, and sin, right? We see Eve, this sort of represents that character. You know, quite often, the, day, the world that we live in, the people that we come across with, often define each other by our one mistake rather than our numerous accomplishments. Think about that for a minute. Think about the one thing that you might have done wrong. And think about the many things that you've done right. Which one do you not want people to bring up? But quite often, whenever we think about somebody, we put on that one mistake and we sort of rank that up there. And so tonight I want us to look at that a little bit, but think about how that there's often quite more to it. You know, anyways, we consider Eve... And we just sort of castigate her for the sins. But how many other people in the Bible sinned? Well, we'll talk about that in just a second. But the person that the Bible describes as being a man after God's own heart. Who was that? David, David, right? We all know the story of David, right? He did everything perfect and never... It's not really right. That's not the way it was at all. It's arguable that you could say David raped a woman. That's pretty bad, right? David had a man put to, you could say David murdered, for lack of a better way of saying, you're right. He had input to death. But we sort of gloss over that. We said, well, he was a man after God's own heart because he did a lot of other good things as well. Is there a double standard here? Well, probably so, probably so. But we still suffer with this today. Sometimes we give people that are in power a little extra credit, right? It's like, well, but they've done this and that. Maybe the people that we come in contact with though every day are like, nope, nope, I messed up once and I am done with them. Do we ever fall into that trap? I will never let that, I'm just not even going to deal with him anymore. He messed me over at the grocery store one time and I'm, we can do that, right? But we'll say, oh man, you know, he made some mistakes and you know, we're talking about the president or the governor or something like that. Well, you know, but sometimes we fall into this trap of where we sort of view people, compare people Quite different. In reality, we kind of treat Eve like an unfair baseball game, right? When you step up to bat in a baseball game, you get one strike, and then you got to go sit down, right? Is that how it works? Some of y'all don't even know what baseball is probably, but you know better than that, right? You know that I get one strike, and then I get two strikes, and then I get a third strike. But how many times do we bring somebody up, strike three on strike one? I think we've sometimes done that with Eve, and that's what I want us to think about a little bit here as well. We sometimes give people doubt, benefit of doubt, chance after chance. So why the despair? Well, first of all, unfortunately, women are often viewed as weaker and sometimes even viewed as subservient. This exists even today. And there may be things that I say tonight that some of you may disagree with, and that's fine. But I want us to think about this as to why we may be shove Eve down, but maybe don't always uh, bring Eve back up. We argue, uh, some people argue that man is created first, which we, we, we read there. Woman's created for the man to be his helper. And this suggests that women are inherently weaker and subservient. But let's go to Genesis chapter 1 for just a second. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis 1 verse 26. God says, then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them, them, have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so we've got establishment here. The God is made, he said, let us, us, we're talking about the Holy Spirit there, we're talking about Jesus, the, tri, the Trinity, whatever word you want to say right there, that we are creating man, them, in God's image. And so they would have dominion over, that's what Ben was reading there, just moving, naming and all that kind of stuff, that dictating who was what and all that. Verse 26, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, I want to think about that. Men and women were both created in God's image. Now, we talk about this sometimes. We actually talked about this, I believe, on a Wednesday night, but I could be wrong about this. But the idea of being created in God's image, what does that mean to you? Well, we sometimes describe people that we know that are the spitting image of their mom or the spitting image of their dad, right? They may look exactly like me, but they may act completely different. Or we may know somebody that you can tell that they're so-and-so's son or so-and-so's daughter, but they might not look necessarily like them. I know people who were adopted that are just like the people that adopted them. We talked about that. But it says right here, men and women were both created in God's image. I was, but so were you, male, female, whoever you are, was created in God's image. Now, let's talk a little bit about women being blamed for Eve being deceived. Let's think about that for a second. Too often, we only stop with blaming Eve. And there's a fair point. Did she do wrong? She absolutely did. Did she sin? But it's almost like sometimes we say, well, Eve, man, she really blew it. Ah, man, man, should I have a different woman? You know, we sometimes fall into that trap of saying that Adam, he kind of gets an excuse made before. We sometimes overlook the role of Adam. After describing the exchange between women and the serpent, let's go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. So when a woman saw that the tree was good for food, remember she'd been told that she should not by God, right? But it wasn't just her that had been told. Who had been told? And they both had been told, right? But the who convinced that the serpent said, now you shall not surely die. So when she sees there in verse 6, when she saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant for the eyes, it was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now think about that. You can interpret with her how you want it. But I don't feel like they're too far apart whenever we're reading the story. But she took an ate, and she shared with him. Now, Adam seems quite comfortable in this story of letting Eve take the fall. Skip the head in verse, chapter 3 and verse 12. When God asked in chapter 3 and verse 12, God asked what happened. What did Adam say? Verse 12, he said, Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. So Adam immediately does what? He deflects that blame, right? The woman that you gave to me. Think about that for a second. The woman blamed God, right? He, he said, the woman that you gave him. At no point does Adam say right here, man, I messed up. Who did he blame? The two other people that were connected, right? He blamed God for sending this woman. And he blamed this woman for tricking him. When did Adam say, man, I was wrong. But we give Adam a pass sometimes on this story. 
We still see people use this story today. Somebody who's taught school for a long time. Deflection is a common way. You know, you pull somebody in and you say, why did you do this? And they're saying, he did that. Well, that, I'm glad you told me that. I need to know that now too. But that's not what we're talking about right here. But Adam shoots that deflection over. Here's the thing though. Whenever a kid tells me that in school, they're trying to trick me. They're trying to get me to, you know, go work on this kid instead of that one. But it's hard to trick God. It's difficult to trick God. Does God fall for Adam's deflection right here? We don't see God fall for that. God declares punishment for all three of them, right? God said there's going to be punishment for Adam. There's going to be punishment for the serpent. There's going to be punishment for Eve as well. He mentions all three. So let's talk just a little bit about this punishment. I call this a curse. You can think about that if you want it to be, but a punishment, a curse, whatever you want it to be. But they all three come away looking bad right here. They all get something out negative out of this. God told Adam in Genesis chapter 3. Let's jump ahead to verses 17. 17, 18, and 19. This is God talking to Adam. He said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Here's the curse. Verse 18. Curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. I think Jimmy Kersey, reading that right there, can relate real hard to that. Anybody who's done a little bit of farming, right? You can relate to all of that. And at, at, at any time, whenever you're out there on that farm, I'm sure you could probably think back to Genesis 3 and say, Man, Adam, it'd been a lot nicer if you hadn't done this, right? How many thistles you ever seen out there, Jimmy? A lot of trouble. A lot of, but he's saying, you want to deal with this. That's a punishment. That's a curse. Right there. That's something that God tells Adam. God told Eve in verse 16, go up one. To the woman, he said, I'll greatly multiply your sorrow and your, and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. We do get that one. But notice he says that in 3, verse 16. And he shall rule over you. That's plugged in right there. It almost makes me think that prior to that, those two, like we just said, them goes on even terms, right? They were made in God's image. But now, because of this sin, the husband's going to have to rule over her. Just a verse earlier, God had said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. From the offspring of this woman will come, to, will come the one who will strike the head of the serpent. We know that story, right? From the offspring right here will come the head, uh, from the one who will strike the head of the serpent. Who was that? Who, who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus, right? We're talking about Jesus here, whose lineage we can trace all the way back. Paul would later write in the book of Galatians, so the letter to Galatians. Turn all the way over to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 real quick. That's that's. The whole other side of your Bible, but I'll give you a second to get there. Galatians 3 and verse 13. Paul wrote, he said, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. There is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. We see that. We know that's what's, what happened, right? 
That was part of that curse that we see there. Let's go Galatians chapter 4 real quick. One page over probably for you. Galatians 4, starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time, or excuse me, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now that's Paul writing to the Galatians much, much later. But that same curse that had been extended there in the book of Genesis would be sort of vanquished, as it were, by Jesus when he said that you're, the, the serpent's going to bite his heel, bruise his heel, but his heel is going to crush that serpent's head. Jesus coming, living, dying on the cross is what crushed that serpent's head. Galatians 3, skip back one again, 26 through 28, for you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We've read this before, right? All sons of God. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, if what it says right there, put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We heard that before, right? We know what that says right there. So let's make that connection between the story. We've got, we started in Genesis. We're going to go back there in just a second. But we see that sin happens almost immediately. And we see deflection and blame pass. And we say God, we see God, a faithful judge who puts blame, punishment, that's not blame, but puts punishment on all three parts. But does not eliminate anything. Because he said Jesus, who has to come through Adam and Eve, is going to put a divide, is going to conquer, if you would, that serpent, the other one that was there in the garden. In Jesus, we become one. And there's no Jesus without Eve sins at all. Now think about that for just a moment. No Jesus without Eve, even though she was sinning. You know, we find the story of, we find in the story of Eve the story of God's faithfulness. That's what I think. I think right there. Because at that point, you can almost see God being extremely upset. And we are ten pages at best into the book, and he's already mad. But they, we didn't get there, you know, talk about a honeymoon period, right? You know, when everything's going great, sometimes they say that with coaches. You win a few games and everybody's happy and then it sort of goes down. Well, they didn't, Adam and Eve doesn't give God much of a honeymoon period right here. They mess up almost from the get-go. But we find in this story God's faithfulness. But I think we also see the faithfulness of Eve right here. Instead of being defined by one bad decision, and I don't know how many other bad decisions she made, because we all can make bad decisions, but instead of being defined by one, let's look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20. Eve is defined as the mother of all who live. Think about that for a second. The mother of all who live. Instead of being defined by her past mistakes, what does she say in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1? Her firstborn son, we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night, but what she says in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, she says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. She gives credit there to, the, to God for, what is it, for this firstborn son. And you should say, well, shouldn't she be mad at God? Shouldn't she be upset? And she says, no, I have acquired. This is what I have gotten right here. This is what the Lord has given me. He wasn't perfect. I think that's a fair statement. But who is? Think about that for a minute. 
Who is perfect? Who among us hasn't seen? Do you know anybody? I don't think so. I don't believe anybody could. Who among us hasn't attempted to deflect blame? You know, Adam's the one who deflected, wasn't her? Adam deflected that blame right there. She did wrong. But so, none of us are perfect. But tonight our goal here was to talk about the good of Eve. And I don't know if I've done a great job at it, but I want to think about for just a second. If we want to take the best of Eve, then we have to recognize that, as the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? But we can't let those sins define our present. And we also can't let those sins diminish our future. Because those sins that Eve made they could have just been the end of everything. But we see in later verses that she is the mother of all who would live and she was grateful to the same Lord who punished her for doing wrong by providing a child for her a little bit later. And we see that Jesus and through his line will come through and they can trace it all the way back to Adam right there. Without her, there's nothing else. Okay? And so when we think about this, when we're looking for the good in Eve, when we're looking for a reward and the curse, as it might say right there on the screen, when we're looking for that, let's keep in mind how we want to define ourselves as well and how we want people to define us as we go forward. Because it's extremely easy to put the one bad thing up here at the top and forget about all of these other things that are here as well. But there was only one perfect person who ever lived, and it wasn't me and it wasn't you. And so our thanks goes to God, whose son Jesus was that person, and through him and his sacrifice gets us, and there I'd say even anybody else who's passed on, to be able to make it into that heavenly home when this life is over as well. Look for the good in Eve. Look for the reward in a curse. If there's anything we can do for you, any way that we can help you, whatever it is that we can do, we invite you to come while we stand and sing. Bye.